0: Radio studio, at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening
1: to the best of the Armstrong and Getty
0: show. I love that quote the other day you hit us with about the uh, 80%. Damned if you do, if damned if you don't? No, that is a good well, one. That wasn't it. No, that's no, not a good one. Uh, the If you agree with someone 80% in politics these days, that's your enemy? Yeah. Who said that?
1: A, that's a David French thing.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: It's hmm. true. Um, you know, I'm tempted to just uh the world's largest long the world's longest rabbit is still missing. It's oh four foot three, it's still missing. So if you see a four foot three inch rabbit, you're not hallucinating. It's stolen goods. Report it immediately. Things as big as a golden
0: retriever. I'd be frightening to behold.
1: I'm tempted to read this whole story from Boehner's book about playing golf with Trump. I don't know how long it is. Let me start into it, see if I decide to read the whole thing. I you know I'm interested. Yeah. And I thought, I thought between the golf part of it, the Trump part of it, and the other stuff, it's kind of interesting.
0: Well, there is a widespread belief, and I think it's absolutely well founded, that if you wanted to get to know somebody, play golf with them. Hmm. You'll, you'll see a lot of their character on display.
1: So, uh, Boehner talks about the first time that he met Trump on one of Trump's own golf courses, the Trump National in Westchester, New York. High-end kind of place, Boehner writes, with a big fountain outside the clubhouse, a grand staircase inside, and a 100-foot waterfall on the course. Wow. Whatever you might think about Donald Trump as a politician, he sure knows how to put together a golf facility, Boehner writes. I was the House minority leader then. Okay, you're a big deal. You're what Kevin McCarthy is now. You're a big deal in politics. And I was on a fundraising run scheduled to play golf with two high-profile insurance executives. Be fair to say they're a big deal, too, right? Oh, yeah. You don't end up playing golf with the House Minority Leader by accident.
0: No. You're it's big... all about lobbying and contributions, too, as he points out.
1: You're big swingers. Sure. I mean, financially and politically, in addition to golf. Understood. We needed a fourth, and out of nowhere, we we're informed that Donald Trump himself would be playing with us. Wow. I didn't know Donald Trump at all, except from from television, but his name was on the door of the club, and if he wanted to come out with us, none of us were going to say no. I had no idea what to think. The big, loud guy I'd seen on TV did not strike me as an ideal companion for 18 holes of golf. When we got to the course to hit some warm-up balls, there he was, the man himself, with the shock of bright yellow hair, tanned face, dressed in typical golfing outfit, ready to hit the links. He was very friendly, (laughs) but in an in-your-face-this-is-how-they-talk-in-New-York kind of way that I was not used to. I can imagine that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Direct, loud, intense. Pretty much the same guy who got elected to the White House. By the way, it's worth pointing out here for you Boehner haters. Boehner voted for Trump in 16 and 20 and is being asked at every turn if he would vote for Trump if Trump is the nominee in 24. And Boehner's saying, I don't deal in hypotheticals. But he's certainly not saying no. So he supported the guy both times around. Yeah, he's trying to sell books. Um But he did vote for Trump both times. Yeah, no doubt. Pretty much the same guy who got elected to the White House is who i was seeing in front of me. I can tell you that with Trump, what you see is what you got, for better or worse. That is who he is. Vader, Trump said when we were ready to start, "You and I are going to take these two turkeys and whip them." That was okay with me. <laughs> As we were getting ready to, so he wanted to- their contributions. <laughs> Wait a minute, would you would you lose to him to try to get the contributions? Or I don't know anything about the politics or the the. Uh, um the, the the etiquette of this sort of thing you might not want to stomp them but
0: no you can beat them it's fine
1: as we were ready getting ready to start trump went over to uh a young staffer of mine who was with us who we all call bj and asked for the insurance executives names that's a pretty good trump move i think they're joe and jeff bj told him so trump said hello to jeff and hello to joe and we set off uh these are not the real names by the way uh uh the for the story, so don't try to figure out who it was. Uh okay. Then we went around sharing our handicaps. One of the guys said he was a 12, one of 14. I was a 10. What's your handicap, I asked Trump? Five, he said, matter-of-factly. So how does all that strike you? I don't know anything about this sort of thing, so uh does that uh, sound about right for...
0: Some pretty decent players who can golf their balls, and one guy who's uh, quite good.
1: Do you buy, if Trump said five...
0: Well, oh, I could. Believe- this has
1: been 15 years ago. Would you thought? Oh, okay. Or would you oh, thought? I could no way. That
0: a, a guy who plays as much as he does? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's not like uh some dictator getting 18 holes in one or something like no, that. No, but Boehner yeah. Boehner thought to himself because this is in italics. There's no way this guy's a five handicap. I thought to myself, I'm going to have to carry him around on my back all day. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why Boehner thought that. But- uh, I th- I feel like that is just guy. There's no way this guy's not better than I am. I think that's where that comes from. I'm a ten. He says he's a five. I'm doing the eye test. I think I'm probably better. Could be. Yeah. Old fat guy, so you'd think maybe I can beat him, I don't know. Yeah.
0: But Trump ended up birdieing three. There's plenty of old fat guys out there walking around with my money <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> from the golf course, oh yeah. Trump ended up birdieing
1: three of the first five holes. That was quite something.
0: That's a hell of a start.
1: It absolutely blew me away. Holy S, I thought this guy can play golf. And he and I won that day beating Joe and Jeff soundly. Over the 18 holes, we talked about this and that, nothing particularly memorable. But had I known back then I was walking around with the 45th president, I might have paid better attention. He says at the very beginning of his book, he'd met, that was the first time he met Trump. He met Trump many times in his life. He said it never even crossed his mind. Not for an, not for a second did he ever think Donald Trump would ever run or be president or even be the nominee. He just never even crossed his mind, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. not usually the case. Most of our presidents, you can see him coming from 15 years away.
0: Or, right, exactly. You know they have the desire and would gladly do it.
1: As we were coming off the course, Trump was in a great mood, as winners generally tend to be. We shook hands. Good match, Joe. Well done, Jeff. Finally, one of the guys stopped us. He has kind of a weird look on his face, and I could see something awkward was coming. Guys, our names are Mike and David. We'd been calling these guys the wrong names <laughs> over and over all day long, and they <laughs> would... <laughs> <laughs> and they were either too polite or too shy to correct us the whole time, which is kind of interesting, because as we pointed out, they've got to be pretty significant players, financially speaking. Yeah. To be on the course with Boehner and Trump at all. So it's not like you're shy around the rich and powerful. Right. It's
0: odd that they would let it go 18 holes. It is.
1: That's, that's odd behavior. All I could do is laugh. Sure. It was a little embarrassing, but was it my fault these guys just let us walk around for 18 holes looking like a-holes because we were <laughs> spotting the wrong names? I, I, would feel that way too.
0: I think you know, I don't want to get hung up on it. I'm a little, I'm a little confused about the, the dynamics here. I mean, if they were insurance execs and he was on a fundraising swing uh-huh. and he didn't bother to learn their names, my checkbook's staying in my pocket. F you, you can't even remember my name and then you're gonna hit me up for 50 G's or something? That is interesting. Why? Screw you.
1: Since they, the way he has written it, they were together on purpose. Right. How did he not know their names? Yeah, that's an odd story. Or, you know, maybe Trump just beat him to it on the finding out their names thing. Um, you know, Trump went over I think if it
0: was a pre-range round of golf, you'd know who you're playing with. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Maybe, the other part of it is, remember when 60 Minutes did that story about how first-year congressmen, or all congresspeople, they spend like 30 hours a week fundraising? Yes. Maybe you fundraise so much, it's not a you learn the names ahead of time. Right. You know what? It's a good point. It might, have been, it might have been his third of the day. A lunch, a fundraising, and then a dinner, all with people. Yeah, I don't know. But Donald, well, Donald did not laugh. This sort of gl- uh, sort of glower fell across his face, the kind of look I could tell that you didn't want to see too often if you happened to work for him. He marched right over to BJ, my assistant, and got right in his face to the point that BJ might have had to take a step or two back. Then Trump shouted, what are you, some kind of idiot? He pointed to the rest of the impromptu foursome. These guys' names are Mike and David. Then he gave the young man a piece of advice that he and I have never forgotten. And I hesitate to put an expletive in the mouth of a foreign prison in the United States, but here it goes anyway. <laughs> You want to know how to remember somebody's names? You effing listen. Poor BJ looked like he wanted to melt into the ground and pull the turf over his head. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'd never seen anybody treat a staffer like that. Not in politics, not ever. This was more than New York bluster. This was real anger over something very small. We had no idea then that the anger, what that anger would do to the country. And that's, you know. Boehner's take on the whole Trump thing.
0: Yeah, you know, what's interesting, though, and this is so uh, emblematic of of Trump and Trump's appeal and how a lot of people don't get Trump's appeal. I'm sure Trump was embarrassed that he was calling these guys by the wrong name. But you know what else that communicated? That communicated to those guys that it mattered to him that he got their names right. That's a very, that, that, that was
1: important. That's a very good point. The way I read that, he did it in a in a place where they all saw this happening, right? And that is that's what the message was. Hey, these are important people, and you give me the wrong names, right? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I yeah. think that's what he was doing.
0: Hmm. I can totally see Trump being a huge bagger, though, a big sandbagger. Calls himself a five, but he's really scratch. Takes people's money. I
1: don't know. Oh, oh really? So, oh, so he's yeah, better than yeah. his the handicap he throws out. I could believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I've known plenty of them. That's an interesting sort of person because, in general, most time you'd like throwing out your great handicap. You'd like that more than
0: lying to people. Well, yeah, that's actually, there are guys they call Hollywood handicappers. They would like to be thought of as good golfers, and so they throw out a low number. They lose money a lot because they can't play to their number or anywhere close to it, but they, they'd prefer to have the status. Then you got guys who, for some reason, and I'm picturing some guys I know, They're baggers. They inflate their handicap. And I could go into detail how you do it, but it's not that exciting. But so they'd rather Um, have
1: the money than be thought of as a good
0: golfer. And I'm guessing they'd rather win a few bucks from their friends.
1: And I'm thinking most of these people are not people that a few bucks matters that much in their life. So that just seems weird to me. Yeah. I would and think, if it's more than
0: a few bucks, then you're a thief.
1: I would think if you spend a lot of time on the golf course, you'd much rather be known as a good golfer than as an okay golfer, but you get an extra few dollars that don't matter to you. That's a, it's a yeah. weird personality. I know. I've, I've wondered about it a lot myself. I'd I've love to have, a, I'd love to have a low number I get to tell people and be honest about it. That'd be fantastic. I'd like that a lot more than having your $20 bill or whatever it is. I don't anyway. think you're uh, estimating the stakes properly. Well, I'm. You know, well, yeah, yeah. Everybody plays <laughs> to their, or most people play gamble to their level of comfort. So the, the 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 ratio stays the same. I think most of the time. it's like the Charles Barkley thing. Yeah, he lost millions of dollars. He has to play for millions of dollars, or it's no fun. Right, right. I would agree. Hmm. Anyway, uh, our text line is always four one five two nine five KFTC. I won't tell you more golfing stories this hour. That's you know, a long golfing story, but I thought it was
0: interesting. I know a few good golf jokes. You want to hear them? Your stance was too S- wide. Say no. <laughs> yeah, that's our favorite. That is our favorite favorite golf joke. <laughs> that is the punchline. Your stance is too wide. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. So, a quick on-air meeting. I'm looking at the stuff we were going to talk about, and it's very good. It's very important. It has to do with... Uh... Lives Matter and critical race theory and the rest of it. And the Patrice colors is clearly, uh, according, well, I'm going to quote a gent who was interviewing Jason Whitlock. He called her a grifter, meaning a con woman. So we have that. But, Jack, you brought my attention to this uh, open letter written by a New York City teacher. Mm -hmm. We're damaging kids with critical race theory. Uh, It is amazing, troubling, eloquent, Heartfelt and important. I don't know if we can do anything better than to read the damn thing. It's it's pretty long. He
1: mentions in there that he might be uh, losing his job or ending his career by doing this, but he thought it was important enough is. to point it out
0: yeah i i just there's part of me that wants everybody in america to read it and and the best thing we could do is to share it with you i and i haven't had a chance to highlight it but the problem is and sometimes i run into this it is so brilliant you end up highlighting the whole thing right and all you've done is drained your highlighter (laughs) (laughs) so uh i will i will hit you with a couple of things then maybe we'll start in it take a break and, and continue it it's that good but so the website for the global consulting firm owned and operated by Black Lives Matter Global Network co-founder Patrice Concolors went offline this weekend after news of her real estate buying binge uh, went viral. And uh, the New York Post, among others, were uh, covering that. Uh, Concolors, self-described trained Marxist, buying millions of dollars worth of real estate for homes across the U.S. for a total of $3.2 million. Now, that is a story that was banned by Twitter even though it is clearly true. Jason Whitlock, black man, sports columnist, although he's much more than a sports columnist, he's really a commentator on American society and sports. He tweeted about this story, and Twitter removed it and uh, locked him out of his account.
1: Now, is there something missing from this story? Because if those are the only facts, Twitter has crossed a line to advocacy that is beyond anything they've done before. Uh, at least there was you could you could say well okay the 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 president stoked the storming of the Capitol and we don't want that but mm-hmm. how do you justify well it's pretty hard to justify the Hunter Biden laptop story how do you justify not letting the world know that people running Black Lives Matter are taking some of the money it
0: looks like and buying million dollar homes <laughs> well at the very least and listen Patrice Con colors. Putting aside the fact that I think her philosophy is incredibly corrosive, dangerous, and racist, she now has a giant deal with like Warner Brothers and is it HBO or somebody? She's making tons of money. She's the world's richest Marxist. That reminds me of that she's gore- rolling in dough from capitalism.
1: That reminds me of the great line from Bloomberg: like the only thing he accomplished during his uh, his run for president was getting Bernie out, which was his only goal. But during the debate, when he said, "Boy, for a socialist, you have." And he pointed out the however many homes he has at how many million dollars and that sort of thing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's strange. It's funny. A, a Marxist system where the elite get rich. That's, no, that's not strange at all. It's all of them. It's, it's like saying a dog has fur. It's just self evident. It's always true. Where's Wake our up. Vin Scully? Huh? Where is Vin Scully? And who's when the, you need who's him?
1: the second richest person in,
0: person in Venezuela? Hugo Chavez' daughter. daughter of Hugo Chavez. Anyway, anyway.
1: Socialism failing to work as it always does, this time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Hello. Anyway, Owen 2 That's the greatest thing ever.
0: <laughs> if I'm in a room. Anyway. Anyway, (laughs) anyways, oh, and two. (laughs) I'm in a room full of people. Maybe it's 75 people. And I say, I tell you what, I got this idea. All of you give me your money, and then I'll hand it out fairly. All 75 people in that room are going to say, wait a minute. How do we know we can trust you? How do we know you're not going to take some of it or all of it or use it for your own purposes? How do we know that these three guys aren't your best friends and you're going to give it more to them because they're your buddies? Well, of course we'd all react like that. It's obvious and it's right. But when the government proposes it, anybody under 35 gets all dewy-eyed or aroused and thinks, oh yes, that's the way to do it. That's the way to bring justice. You people are stupid. You know what? It's time to take the varnish off, to unvarnish something. Time to strip the, can I have a second take? <laughs> It's time to drop the phony baloney politeness and say it. If you fall for Marxism, you're freaking stupid. Anyway. All right. Anyway. Anyway, 0 and 2. 0 and 2. Probably going to waste a picture. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best
1: of Armstrong and Getty. I feel like I've forgotten how to breathe. Do you forget how to breathe? If you're dead uh, now, whenever I read anything, I almost pass out like I forget to take breaths at some point what? i didn't ever, i've on. never had that problem my whole life, but now when i
0: need that so, so i noticed you're... sometimes I have very shallow breathing, like I'm in a fight or flight mode i've tried to I've tried to get better at that to take nice, deep, regular breaths
1: so next time I read something, can somebody remind me to breathe every so often? <laughs> so you'll just be in the middle of like a uh, particularly long sentence of yeah. Oh! yeah. I feel like I'm going to go down. No, the room things start getting black, and the room starts going like... Whoa.
0: What the hell? That happened just a little bit ago. So your breathing is no longer involuntary. Yeah. You must will it. You switched to... to manual.
1: <laughs> hey, Sean, you got to get with the engineers and
0: get some sort of light installed, some alarm to remind Mr. Armstrong to breathe.
1: I do want to talk about mood TV, and particularly Earth moods, which apparently is the hottest thing on it, but... Uh, I wonder. Oh, I it. have a
0: zillion things to to talk about. I demand. I don't demand. I suggest a round of Joe closes his tabs coming up if later. That this means hour. I can sit back and try to catch my breath. That'd be it's fantastic. Fast moving. It's jaunty. It's fun. It's compelling. Stay tuned. Um,
1: West Point is supposed to be the best of our best, right?
0: Uh yeah, absolutely. It's a prestigious military academy, certainly.
1: 72 freshmen and one sophomore are accused of cheating and uh, might get expelled. That's not cool. Uh, as the guy who runs the place said, West Point must be the gold standard for developing Army officers. We demand nothing less than the impeccable character from our graduates. Yeah, I would say so. The reason I bring this up mostly is there are two sides of the elite school Uh, conundrum and they're this so you got going on some places this is happening in new york and san francisco for instance got that school in the san francisco area what's the name of it oh lowell Lowell. high school that Mm -hmm. has long been where like the smartest high school kids in america go to that school well somebody decided that it's not black and brown enough Too many Asians and whites. Too many Asians. So they're going to change it from being the best high school kids, no matter what your skin color, we just want the best, to having a certain number of everybody. Doing the same thing in New York. Now, the pushback against having merit-based only from some people is that it ends up being just the connected that get in. I don't want that either. I hate that. Mm -hmm. And it would seem... Well, you know, that has been going on at a lot of universities. We found that out just a couple of years ago when we found out that all kinds of rich people, a lot of rich white people, but rich people were getting their kids into schools that they didn't qualify for because mommy and daddy, um, bought a consultant to figure out how to lie on your resume and who
0: in turn hired a yachting coach. Yeah.
1: Right. And so that's no, not good. And it looks like it's even happening at West Point. To me, the only way you could end up with a freshman class that's got 50, because the only way you can get into West Point is a congressperson has to recommend you. I mean, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. The only way you, that you could end up with this situation where you got 50 crumb bums that are going to cheat is that connected moms and dads got their congressmen to get their kid into school. And the background check on their character was not very good. And we don't want that, especially in our military. Oh, my God. We need the best young people who want to go to the West Point to get in. I don't care what your background is. How do you end up with that many? I would never cheat. Most people I know would never cheat in a situation like this. How do you end up with that many
0: people that are going to cheat when they get to West Point? Do they know yeah, that they're only cheating themselves? It's <laughs> hmm, an excellent point, Sean. You know, I I'm, I don't share your optimistic view. I think uh, where there is college, there is cheating. Where there you... are human beings, people will cut corners and and they will try to gain an advantage. Really, I never would. I universities no universities battle this twenty four seven, but you're gonna... around the clock every single
1: class. You, you're naive, sir. You, naive. You don't think you can come up with with effort, kids at a, a high school that their the way, the lives they've lived have made it clear they're not going to cheat. I don't think it's that easy to tell. I don't nobody think nobody admits to cheating. I don't think they're trying. The good ones don't get caught. My guess is they're not trying. The the parents that are connected to the congressperson and donate enough money and, and are tied into the right s- society and right circles get their kid into West Point.
0: Yeah, I don't I,
1: I think I, you could have easily picked 5 kids from my high school that were never going to cheat. I
0: think it would have been easy to do. There is a cheating scandal at the service academies every couple of years. There's a cheating because scandal at virtually every university in America every couple of Because of what I just said. Well, all right. There's, there's no proven that. You might be right, but I, I just think, think they are you young can, people in college, and they're cheating.
1: Your kids just got out of high school. You don't think that you could pick the kids that aren't going to cheat when they get to West Point? No. Really?
0: Yes. Wow. Some of the super high achievers... Some of the smartest, I mean, great uh, extracurriculars, charming, just absolutely ever, just shining I, like a I new rem- dime.
1: I remember those kids from high school. I could have told you which one of those were going to cheat. I knew which ones were cheaters. Well, maybe Congress should hire you. You can't ask tell. high school kids. They would know. <laughs> They absolutely would know. I could have, of the top five people- Yeah, but on a practical level, you can't do that. Of the top five people in my high school, I could have absolutely told you those three, I could name their names right now. Those three would be, they'd cheat immediately. Those two never would. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't cheat with a gun to their head. I could have told you that. Yeah, well, that's fine, but that's difficult to do on an official level. I'll bet they're not trying. That's my whole point. If they are, they are, but I'll bet they're not. I'll bet West Point isn't a hell of a lot different than USC. In terms of getting in. Yeah, I don't know that. If you're connected, you get in. I, I, I think we've lost the ability to, uh, re, to, to, to pick out merit or care.
0: Well, and, and the, the destructive part or the corrosive part of the current discussion, not our current discussion, corrosive as it's been, this is not what I'm talking about. The corrosive part of the discussion, Jordan Peterson has some great stuff on this, is that hierarchies are incredibly important. You have to have them. You have yes, to have absolutely. merit. Absolutely. Crooked hierarchies are awful. And so people see crooked hierarchies and they say, well, that's it. No hierarchies. And then you get situations where it's quota systems at what used to be elite institutions. And that's bad too, because then the best and brightest yeah. never do verbal to the top. We gotta be able to do better than that. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to know anybody who went there or is authoritative on it. Uh, email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Didn't Mike, did Mike Lines go to West Point? I think he, did mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com or if you'd like to text if that's more your style 415-295-KFTC jot it down put us in your memory there on your phone 415-295-KFTC I don't know I just I, I don't know I, I, my three kids are all three college graduates at this point and they have all sorts of computer programs and checks and and policies and everything it gets cheating all the time in every single class I just think it's part of the human condition. It could be extra bad at the service academies, but I don't know that. Although your uh your populist railing is is, is fine.
1: <laughs> how is it populist that I want the elite to get into universities and high schools? And to I want the very best be, to get in there, and I want them to right. actually be the elite. I don't yeah. see how that's populist at all. That's well, believing there is an elite, which I believe there is, and mm-hmm. I want
0: them to make it. Just your ranting against the connected. It was very, uh, very common man in the streets ish. Mm. So, coming up, Joe closes his tabs. Always so popular. The emails, the letters we get, everybody loves that feature. It's because I got too damn many stories. Can I open. mention
1: Mood TV real quick before oh, we yeah, get there? Oh, yeah, please
0: do. Yeah. Do I want this? Should I order this? Uh, I haven't watched. I think you have it. I think we all have it. Well, I do you have Disney Plus. I have Disney Plus. Yeah, I think so. I think we may be, uh, if you watch The Mandalorian,
1: you have, what do you mean you're piggybacking? Did I don't mean admi- anything. You just admit to a federal crime. No, right. I didn't. Roll that back, Sean. No, I didn't. Joe Getty just admitted to a federal crime. He's no, as bad just... as the freshman at West Point.
0: No, Judy and I like to give each other piggyback rides. That's all I meant. I haven't, I'll check this out today. Sturdy gal. <laughs> it
1: it <laughs> is all me around. It has become a popular channel, apparently earth moods. So mood TV is a thing. We've talked about this before. Or it's just like a fireplace, or an ocean, or a snowfall, oh, or yeah, something now like that. I remember that. that. Yeah, sure. But Earth Moods is supposed to be really good at it, and there are different half-hour episodes you can watch. There are five episodes, each thirty-one minutes long. Kind of looks like a screensaver. Although if you stared at it long enough, you realize it's it's not just a picture. It's you know snow is falling. Okay. The river is babbling. It is a babbling brook. Yes. It's um,
0: very soothing.
1: There's night lights an urban city at night, snowfall, that sort of stuff. I like it. and uh, I think. People that are wanting to get away from it all or high or whatever, I don't know, are watching. So yeah, check it out today It's if you have the Disney or if you are committing a federal crime like Joe. It's um, Earth <laughs>
0: Moons on Disney+. That's why I'm so soft on the cheating thing. I'm a known criminal. <laughs> so does it, like, rotate? Is it a brook for a while and then becomes a city nightscape? Or... No,
1: you choose the show, whichever one you, you, you want. I'm not always in the mood for a, a babbling brook. Sometimes Certainly I like are. snowfall.
0: Yeah, sometimes I listen to the babbling brook and it makes me want to go. So <laughs> that's not practical. Certainly not. That's why, I've uh, you know, on a plane or something, I got the white noise going. I want to take a little nap, which is very hard for me. I never go with the babbling brook because I don't have to get up. If you know what I mean? A babbling brook will make you pee. Well, suggest it suggests it. It puts it in the mind.
1: I like, um, uh, what's the one I always listen to? I've got on this baby soothe thing, the uh, sound of being in a car.
0: That's a good one. Isn't I just go with brown noise.
1: And I like the sound of rain. So I usually combine rain and the sound uh, of being Rain in a will car. make you
0: pee, too. The you sound can't, of... can't go with rain.
1: <laughs> Perhaps you ought to take a look at your prostate. <laughs>
0: Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. We are going to read something a little longer than we generally do uh, on this show, partly because Paul Rossi, who's a school teacher in New York City, is uh, an eloquent and uh, important voice, and he's committing career suicide. And he knows he is, probably, by writing this. He says, I am a teacher at Grace Church High School in Manhattan. He explains how he got into teaching. He is really into it. As a teacher, my first obligation is to my students, but right now my school is asking me to embrace anti-racism training and pedagogy that I believe is deeply harmful to the kids and to any person who seeks to nurture the virtues of curiosity, empathy, and understanding. Anti-racism training sounds righteous, but it is the opposite of truth in advertising. It requires teachers like myself to treat students differently on the basis of race. Furthermore, in order to maintain a united front for our students, teachers at our school are directed to confine our doubts about this framework to conversations with an in-house Office of Community Engagement for whom every significant objection leads to a foregone conclusion. Any doubting students are likewise challenged to reframe their views to conform to this orthodoxy, meaning no uh, uh, they will brook no uh, disagreement or any doubts. My school, like so many others, induces students via shame and sophistry, which means false arguments, to identify primarily with their race before their individual identities are even fully formed. Students are pressured to conform their opinions to those broadly associated with their race and gender and to minimize or dismiss individual experiences that don't match those assumptions. Meaning everybody of a particular color has to think alike.
1: That is so crazy. And if you had experience that is different than this, you
0: could put that aside. Trust me. You need to shut up. Right. The morally compromised status of oppressor is assigned to one group of students based on their immutable characteristics. In the meantime, dependency, resentment, and moral superiority are cultivated in students considered oppressed. Oppressed. All of this is done in the name of equity, but it is the opposite affair. In reality, all of this reinforces the worst impulses we have as human beings. Our tendency toward tribalism and sectarianism that a truly liberal education is meant to trans- transcend. Now listen to this guy's experience. And because I think we're all familiar with the theoretical arguments, but, or at least I hope you are. Recently I raised questions about this ideology at a mandatory whites only student and faculty Zoom meeting. Such racially segregated sessions are now commonplace at my school.
1: That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable that in the year 2021 that is occurring. Wow, we're, back we're going to segregation. We're yeah. going
0: backwards. It was a bait-and-switch self-care seminar that that labeled objectivity, individualism, and fear of open conflict, and even a right to comfort as characteristics of white supremacy. Again, you're a white supremacist if you believe in objectivity. You're a white supremacist if you believe in individualism. You're a racist for believing in individualism? Hmm. I doubted that these human attributes, many of them virtues reframed as vices, should be racialized in this way. In the Zoom chat, I also questioned whether one must define oneself in terms of racial identity at all. My goal was a model for students that they should feel safe to question ideological assertions if they felt moved to do so. It seemed like like my questions broke the ice. Students and even a few teachers offered a broad range of questions and observations. Many students said it was finally a more productive and substantive, substantive discussion than they expected. However... When my questions were shared outside this forum, violating the school norm of confidentiality, I was informed by the head of the high school that my philosophical challenges had, get this, caused harm to students. Given that these topics were life and death matters about people's flesh and blood and bone. I was rec- reprimanded for acting like an independent agent of a set of principles of, or ideas and beliefs. I was told that by doing so, I failed to serve the greater good and the higher truth. In other words, he was a counter-revolutionary. Stuff straight right. out of Mao, Chairman Mao, straight out of the Soviet Union. He further informed me that I had created dissonance for vulnerable and uninformed thinkers and neurological disturbance in students' beings and systems. The school's director of studies added that my remarks could even constitute harassment. Oof. A few days later, the head of school ordered all high school advisors to read a public reprimand of my conduct uh, out loud to every student in the school. Now Jack, if, student of history, if, would you like to take over If here?
1: that is not the cultural revolution in China circa 1967, I don't know what is. That is unbelievable.
0: Likewise, the show trials of the Soviet Union, in which you were forced at gunpoint to read aloud a statement, helpfully written by others, of your sins and counter-revolutionary activities. That's incredible. At which point you were either shot dead or thrown in a gulag. So again... Every teacher was ordered to read a public reprimand of his conduct, which was asking constructive questions, I might remind you. It was a surreal experience, he writes, walking the halls alone and hearing the words emitting from each classroom, quote, events from last week compel us to underscore some aspects of our mission and share some thoughts about our community and our schools with their history of white populations, racism, et cetera. uh, We must work hard to undo this history. Now, and he mentions that, of course, there's there have been problems, there's been racism, there have been fights, etc., and bias can influence relationships, all true. But addressing such problems with a call to undo history lacks any kind of limiting principle and pairs any allegation of bigotry with a priority guilt, meaning assumed guilt. My own contract for next year, he writes, requires me to, quote, participate in restorative practices designed by the Office of Community Engagement in order to heal my relationships with the students of color and other students in my classes. And he says, well, what do you mean participate in restorative practices? They said, we'll tell you after you sign. So you have to heal something
1: and you're not allowed to say, I don't think there's any healing needed. I don't think I've.
0: I'm not wrong. I still believe I'm right. No. Or he'll be fired if he doesn't sign. I asked my uncomfortable students in the self-care meeting. Um, I asked my questions, rather, because I felt a duty to my students. I wanted to be a voice for the many students of different bra- backgrounds who've approached me over the course of the past several years to express their frustration with the indoctrination at our school, but are afraid to speak out. They report that in their classes and other discussions, they must never challenge any of the premises of our anti-racist teachings, which are deeply informed by critical race theory, as we know. These concerns are confirmed when I attend grade-level and school meetings about race and gender issues. You can't even ask questions.
1: I keep flashing back to the presidential debate. The The only time this came up as a topic when the moderator Chris Wallace clearly didn't really know what he was talking about. President Trump knew the most on the stage, uh, but wasn't up to speed. And Joe Biden had no clue whatsoever what critical race theory actually is and what they're actually teaching in schools.
0: And we're teaching in the government, but Trump banned it, but Biden's bringing it back. It's, it's racist indoctrination into the new Marxism. It functions just the same as the Marxists did and the Maoists did. It substitutes race for class but then tries to tear down history, tries to cancel culture, tries to 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 eliminate the very culture you grew up with to replace it with a brave new culture under the command of the enlightened. It's exactly like communism in the 20th century. They just changed some of the words.
1: And one of the frustrations is I don't think Joe Biden would be in agreement with this, but he doesn't even understand it's happening. And so it's winning the day. Armstrong and Getty.